Scripture reading this morning will be taken from Mark chapter 1, 29 through 39. If you want to turn in your Bibles, uh, Mark chapter 1, 29 through 39. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Thank you, John. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Thankful for all of you who are visiting today. Hope you'll be back at every opportunity that you have. Excellent, wonderful family of God here. Imperfect people we are, but people who are trying to help one another go to heaven, and that's what God's family uh, is all about. Uh, Over the last several weeks, we have been involved in a study asking the question, what about God, and noticing several things in that regard. We talked about the idea that God is truth, and we've noticed God as our shepherd, and uh, last week we talked about worship, the idea that we come together collectively to enter into His presence. And then today we're going to talk more about being alone, and I appreciate the songs that that Ben has led us in this morning in that regard. Now, I want to start a little bit differently today. Uh, If you're comfortable in doing so, I'm going to ask you to participate in this, and I hope you know me well enough that you trust me now at least a little bit. But I've brought my phone up here, and I have set a timer for 60 seconds. And when I say go, I'm going to start the timer, and for 60 seconds, I would invite you to close your eyes, and if you want to pray uh, silently, do that. But I want you to use 60 seconds to somehow reflect on your relationship with God. It might be thinking in terms of how I could have a closer walk with God or, or, or things like that. You may just choose to pray, but I want to try to have us do this for 60 seconds and then I'll let you know when that time's up. And so again, if you're comfortable, starting now, let's spend some time with God. 60 seconds.
Alright. Was that the longest 60 seconds of worship ever? It may have seemed that way. We're not used to what we might call dead air in a collective assembly. But let me ask you a few questions about what we just engaged in. During that 60 seconds, how many things raced through your mind that had absolutely nothing to do with God and your relationship with Him? And if you experience some distractions like those, are those kinds of things typical of what occurs when you, when you try to have some time alone with God? Isn't it fun being human sometimes? Now, let me ask another question. How long has it been since you found 15 minutes to simply be quiet? No noise, no distractions, no music, no TV, no phone, just 15 minutes of quiet. Even if you weren't, you know, even if it wasn't specifically about trying to use that time to, to spend with God. And I'm pretty sure we may have had a young mother in the room just think, wow, I might be willing to commit a crime to get 15 minutes like that where I could just have some silence because we struggle there. But I, but I think for a lot of us, some peace, some quiet time probably sounds very familiar, very appealing. One more question as we start. The last time that you did find 15 minutes to spend in quiet, alone, maybe thinking about God, what were your emotions like in those moments? Did, did you find the, the peace and the satisfaction of, uh, of calm and stillness? Or could there have been a tension? A tension because your, your mind really just didn't want to disengage. We're, we're very comfortable with noise and we're very comfortable with things going on around us all the time. And so sometimes when it gets quiet, it's hard for our minds to, to kind of let loose. Uh, I suspended my deer hunting for a time. Not because I didn't enjoy being out in, in God's creation and all those things, but I'd get out in the woods, I'd get in my tree stand, it's peaceful, it's quiet, it's, it's God in front of me in a lot of ways. And I'd sit there and instead of being relaxed, I was at a point where I'm thinking, wow, I've got a million other things that I ought to be doing. And I was to the point I was not enjoying that time that was quiet, and that's, that's bad on me. Last week we talked about our worship, the idea that we as family, we assemble, we come together, and we enter into the presence of God to offer up our worship to Him. Part of our discussion last week came out of Exodus chapter 19, and you remember our discussion, God is ready to give His word to Moses, and so God says, I want you to consecrate the people, purify them, and so all the people had to spend two days getting ready, and then on the third day, the people came to the foot of the mountain, and Exodus 19 verse 17 says, they, talking about the people, stood at the foot of the mountain, and then verse 20 says, Moses went up. And so Moses, while they're all prepared and they're all there, Moses actually had an experience that the rest of the people did not have. I'm thankful that we worship collectively and that together we can enter the presence of God, but we also have this amazing opportunity as children of God, as individual Christians, to, to have the experience of going up similar to what Moses did. In other words, I can go into the presence of God on my own through offering up prayer to Him, through listening to Him in His Word. 
And see, I wonder if we don't struggle way more than we should in finding time to quietly be alone with God. Now, I'm not trying to scare you twice in one day. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable twice in one day. But I'm going to ask a question, and if you're comfortable doing so, if the answer for you is yes, feel free to raise your hand. And that's not to make us feel bad, feel guilty, put us on the spot or anything like that. But, but what we're talking about, I believe... A lot of us are challenged by this. And so if you would say you struggle with with finding enough quiet time to be alone with God, put your hand in the air. And then as the hands go up, I want you to look around the room and understand it affects more of us than just a few. And if you've got it all together on this, great. And I hope you'll help some of us who are trying to get there be better. But it's a struggle at times. Now... Let's think about Jesus. Let's think about the reading that John just shared with us out of Mark chapter 1. Jesus seemed to understand that being alone, finding time to be with God, He seemed to understand that this was very, very important. And you think about where He's coming from as God the Son. He'd experienced already firsthand He was in heaven with God. Father, so he's had he's been in God's presence that way. Philippians 2 talks about him emptying himself, coming here to live among us. And then he goes back, and so if Jesus, who has been where we want to go, and he's been here among us, and now he's back where we want to eventually be, if while he was here, if he put a major, major emphasis on finding time to spend with God the Father in prayer, if it was important to him, surely it ought to be important to me. And surely it ought to be important to you. And please don't miss this. One of the reasons that I asked for Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39 to be read this morning, you know, Jesus, His world was different than ours. He didn't have a smartphone and He didn't have the media that we have. But Jesus lived in a very loud and distracting world. You think about what's going on there in Mark chapter 1. He spends a day and he's healing Simon's mother-in-law. He's actively doing things that need to be done. And then when night comes, you know, after a day of work, a lot of times we'd like a little time to ourselves in the evening. We might want to relax a little bit. But in Mark chapter 1, after a hard day of work, Jesus has the whole city show up at his door. Everybody wants some of Jesus. And so then finally... You get down to early in the morning, hopefully while everybody else is still in bed, Jesus kind of slips away, trying to find some time to pray, and then here they come. Simon and his companions, hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. You ever get that at work? You're, you're trying to get something done, and maybe you found kind of a quiet place to work on something, and just about the time you're really focused in on what you're working on, here comes somebody, and when they come, you kind of bow up, and then it's almost just like this, I give up. Because sometimes it's like everybody wants a piece of us, and we can't find any time to peacefully get done what we need to get done. Well, see, Jesus is dealing with all of that. And I don't know what goes through his mind as Simon and his companions come, but it'd be interesting if we knew. And not just there, Mark, Matthew chapter 14. Jesus gets word that John the Baptist has, has, has been beheaded. Uh, people bring him word, and, and verse 13 says, Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there uh, in a boat to a secluded place by himself. 
When the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. Jesus has a very human type reaction to getting bad news. He wants to pray. He wants to be alone. And you remember that day because he heals the sick, he feels compassion, he feeds the 5,000, sends his inner circle away, and finally, finally, late at night, he finally gets to pray. Luke 5.16, but Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness to pray. So he valued his time alone with God the Father. And the question becomes, what if we could value this time alone with God a little bit more? What if we could be a little bit like Jesus in this regard, more deliberate, more intentional? Because even for Jesus, He knew it was important, and He's God on earth, and yet He had to carve out time. It didn't just magically happen for Him to have time to spend with God. He had to be intentional about it. And what if we could actually train ourselves to crave those opportunities? Because let's face it, you know, most of us have probably experienced that feeling of guilt. We're so busy. And this is a, every, you seem to think, well, this is a busy time, and then you get into the holidays, and that's a busy, I mean, every time of the year seems busy. And almost all of us have had those feelings of guilt where, yes, I need to spend more time with God, and yes, I need to spend more time in prayer alone with Him. And that guilt washes over us. Peter also seemed to understand how important this was. First uh, Peter, as he writes that letter, chapter 4, verse 7, he writes, The end of all things is near, therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. And I really would hope, out of our lesson this morning, as we think about our opportunities to spend more time alone with God, that this verse would be the one that you would walk out of here remembering today. Now, what's Peter talking about? The end of all things is near. There's, uh, scholars have written a lot about that. Was, was Peter trying to say he thought Jesus, the return of Jesus would be soon? Well, some may hold that opinion. Uh, he's writing probably not too far before Nero's persecution. And if Nero's about to take your life physically, in a lot of ways, the end of all things is near. So there, there's a lot of things he could have on his mind as he writes by inspiration. But I want to share the verse out of the New Century Translation because I like the way it says what Peter wrote. The time is near when all things will end, so think clearly and control yourselves so you will be able to pray. You ever experienced a time when your mind was just so scattered and and just so out of control that that it's hard to even focus in prayer? Try to take this verse away today. The idea of thinking clearly, self-control, and those things important because of our need to be able to pray. See, the battle that we're trying to win is this idea that, that coming into the presence of God, I'm trying to do that, and as I do that, I'm, I'm trying to successfully get past all the other thoughts, all the other cares, all the other concerns that are competing for stage in our mind, our minds, that there, there's something that's always in the forefront, right? And what Satan wants is it to be anything other than God, anything other than our relationship with God. If he can distract us, if he can keep it loud, if he can keep it noisy, if he can keep my mind off God, he's going to win. And so the battle that we try to win is to keep God right there center stage, and so the questions worth asking are, you know, how are we doing at that? 
And what if we could do better? And is it really even a big deal? If, if all of us are fighting the same battle, can it really be all that important? Well, let me ask this question. What price do you suppose we might be paying because of our inability to focus in prayer? Because I am concerned that our loud, noisy, super well-connected world, it may be one of the ways that Satan is actually winning too many battles in the, in the war of who's going to control my mind and who's going to control your mind. See, it's interesting, 1 Peter 4 verse 7, self-control, so you can pray. Then you get to the next chapter, chapter 5 verses 8 and 9, and he comes right back, be of sober spirit, in other words, control yourselves and be careful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. See, in my case, I'm very concerned that that my lack of being able to quiet the noise around me, I may just be making it too easy for him to win too many of the battles that I'm fighting. I heard about a, a preacher talking about these kinds of things, and he shared a story from, from a guy that had gone to a place where for 21 days you could go to this place, and they would put you in a room, and it would be just you and your Bible in this room for 21 days. No phone, no music, no television, just you, your Bible, and God. If you had 21 days to spend, and I realize most of us don't, but if you had 21 days to spare, would you consider that? Would it sound weird? Would it sound appealing in some way? And see, I, I try to visualize, okay, what would it be like to be disconnected for 21 days from the world and, and completely connected to God? And then what would it sound like to come back into the world and plug everything back in? How loud would the world be at that point? I don't know if you've thought much about it, but there's a question that for a lot of us, and I'm one of them, but, but there's a question that really seems to kind of be at the basis of often our undoing. It's eating our lunch, it's controlling many of us way too much, and I'm going to try to illustrate it for you two ways. Up until recently, do you know what the best part about flying was beyond the fact that you get there quickly? Best part about flying? Well, your first answer, your, your, your knee-jerk answer might be, well, the idea of a safe landing. because And, and that's really that's a good answer, the idea that you, you take a plane and you think of everything that has to happen for that plane to fly and then actually be landed in a safe way. A safe landing really ought to be the right answer, but it's not. Because up until recently, the best part about a flight was as you touch down, this tension that was building within you the whole time you were flying finally gets to be relieved because as the wheels touch down, you could turn your phone back on. And the question that you were wondering about is, what have I missed? Right? Another way, and you don't have to worry about that now because most planes have Wi-Fi. You don't have to disconnect anymore. Another way to illustrate it, driving down the road. And phone's laying there in the car, and we're not supposed to be on the phone. It's against the law, you know, to be messing with your phone. We're not supposed to do that. It's just dangerous whether it's against the law or not. But, but a notification comes up. Maybe it, it, it dings or something. And there's a tension that immediately arises within us. Who is it? What do they say? What am I missing? And, and when do I get to stop? When can I check it? When? And it's, a, it's, it's how we are today. 
I'm trying to train myself to care less about what I might be missing. Because I'm very concerned that in all my wanting to not miss something that's going on in my loud and noisy world, that I might well be missing out on some very important things that God wants me to hear, or God wants me to know, or some very important time where God wants me to be communicating with Him. It's been suggested that we might benefit from some lessons on, on revival. The, and revival is the idea of living again. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, the idea being, why can't we go ahead and have a revival right now? And, and I believe it has merit. Almost every church needs to have the fire relit from time to time. The passion rekindled is very normal. We need to be remotivated. Tonight we're actually going to explore the question at 6 o'clock. You know, why can't we just go ahead and grow right now? But I wonder if today's lesson, rather more successfully living out today's lesson, might be a necessary first step toward revival. In other words, is it possible that revival collectively might well be the result of us individually becoming more committed to spending time alone with God? And since our world isn't going to get any less loud anytime soon, as children of God who need to be in communication and need to be in relationship, close relationship with the Father, in our best interest to find some ways to try to live above the noise and live above the distraction and find some ways to quiet all of that around us. And so I want to leave you with about three challenges and then the this morning is yours. One thing I would challenge us to do today is to determine that, that we're going to quiet the distraction, try to turn the world off. And I left it blank in your lesson notes. The idea, I need to commit to you know, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen. I would challenge you just to set a goal that is realistic for you. And if five minutes, if you know, this week I'm going to try to spend five minutes every day with everything quiet so that I can focus that time on God. If five minutes is the number, set that as the goal. If you already are great at this, maybe the number needs to be bigger. And then as we begin to think about that and think about having time alone with God, if it ever becomes ordinary or if it ever becomes this burden, oh, the day's over, I didn't do that yet. In the moment that it's a burden to us, I would challenge us to repent, to thank God immediately that, that you know, He wants to hear from us. Because He didn't have to set it up that way. My second challenge for us would be to try to see prayer as the goal rather than as a means to an end. I'm as guilty as anyone, but so many times when I'm in prayer and I'm taking something to God, there, there's something there that I'm hoping God will accomplish in my life for me. And if I could begin to see prayer, the idea that I'm going to spend time and I'm going to pour out my heart to God, and it's not all about what I need Him to do. I just need to be in communication with Him. Try to see prayer as the goal rather than as a means to an end. And then finally, number three. As a closing illustration, I want to go to the Psalms. I want to go to Psalm 131. And David does a great job of using something that if we're parents, we understand. 
And He uses it to help us understand our relationship with God. And we need things to help us think. And uh, after class this morning, I'll never see a hush puppy and think about it the same way again. And that's okay. Because there were good things said about hush puppies. And so... But in Psalm 131, David begins, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Those are amazing statements from a guy as powerful as David is. But then notice what he says in verse 2. He says, Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rest against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. See, what David says there is he says, in my walk with God, I'm trying to be like a child in its mother's arms right after it's nursed. If you're a parent, you understand that moment, especially if you're a mother. Sometimes those of us who are dads, we've experienced some of that in giving a bottle and then there's that quiet time. The child is completely at rest, completely at peace. And moments like that, you, you, man, we probably don't value them enough as they're going on as parents. And the psalmist says, just like that child that's full, that's content, that's relaxed, that's dependent, that's peaceful, that's safe, that's secure, I am trying to be like that child in its mother's arms. That's how I want my heart and my soul to be with my God. Isn't that a great goal verse for all of us as we seek to find time alone and in the arms of God? Finally, and it's not in the notes, but I hope that there are some of you here today where you're thinking, wow, I, what is he even talking about today? The, the idea, you know, I always find time to be alone with God and my devotional life is strong and if that's where you are, that is excellent. And I hope you'll continue. But the other thing that I hope you'll do is if you found some things that really work well, begin to share those. Help somebody else that maybe is looking for a better way to have devotional time, to have quiet time. If you've got something that share that. We're not going to accuse you of showing off if you share some good information with us as we try to grow. As we get ready to sing the song that's been selected this morning, you know, how would God grade you on the time that you spend alone with Him today? Is it possible that your walk with God needs a revival of some sort today? That, it, that, that in your walk with God privately that you need to live again is it possible that revival needs to begin in your moments alone with God? Maybe there's something going on in your life where we need to pray with you collectively today. Or maybe you need to find one of our shepherds after services and ask them to pray with you and for you. We do that as family. Maybe you're here this morning outside of Christ. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you don't have this relationship yet that we've been talking about today. And if that's where you are, you'll take the next step that needs to be taken for you. You may not know everything you need to know yet, and maybe you need more information, and so maybe you need to turn to the person next to you when services are over the, today and say, listen, I need to study the Bible. I need somebody to sit down with me and study. If that's where you are today, turn to the person next to you, and if they can't study with you, they will find somebody that can. But maybe you know everything you need to know to understand what Jesus did in leaving the presence of God to come here and live among us, to, to spend 33 years or so on this earth, walking among us, giving His life up, being the sacrifice for us.
If you, all, if you understand all of that and you're ready to surrender to Him, be baptized into Him for the remission of your sins, you have that opportunity this morning. So as Ben leads us in the song he selected, if you have a need, let that be known while we stand and while we sing.